something to say. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my book, Crucify My Love, or my sort of new book, The Chain, which is over on Wattpad as I am going through the rewrites on that. As the chapters are edited, I am putting them up there for y'all to read and comment on and tell me what you think. And that book's actually kind of relevant to the topic we're going to be discussing today. We got a wonderful call-in, and I'm going to play that in just a minute. We are going to be talking about gender and reproduction in sci-fi, and basically, at least my interpretation of it, why it's so human-like. But we'll get to that in just one moment. If you haven't already, please take a moment and rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share me with more people, and the more people that listen to the podcast, the more chance we have for interaction. The more chance we have for interaction, the more of a community we can build. And for me, at least, that's really what this is all about. Alrighty, so without further ado, let's listen to the call-in and actually dig into this, because initially I felt challenged by this question, and then... The more I thought about it, yeah, this is weird. Hello, uh, I hope you're doing well. So, uh, you had an episode where you talked about uh, Dax and uh, symbiont things, and if we have any ideas, I don't actually have any ideas about that. But I did want to say, what I would really like to see in sci-fi, and I haven't seen too much of it yet, is different sort of, uh, yeah, expressions of gender, and um, sort of reproductive styles because there's so many cool things just on planet Earth, like plants that if they're, they have more nutrients, they make seeds, and if they don't, they make uh, pollen or uh, fish that change sex when they reach a certain size. Or if somebody around them, uh, you know, like clownfish, for example, if the female dies, the male becomes female. Like, there's so many cool things. Uh, anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Um, bye. <laughs> Thank you for calling in. That was, I don't know if I should call you Jack or J-A-C, who has given me some web comics that I really need to get around to reading, but I've been way too busy with life because life is life. This is a really good point because when you initially brought this up, when I first listened to this, I was like, Oh, but I can cite like several examples off the top of my head of places where this is weird and different. And actually, one of the places I was thinking about was if you listen to yesterday's episode about William Gibson's Alien 3, which I had just read, which actually shows that the xenomorph had variant forms of reproduction depending on the availability of host material. And that's one of the things that made that story so frightening and I think would have made the Alien franchise even more interesting than it turned out to be with the successive iterations that have been added to it. But yeah, this has been 
kind of an issue when I started thinking about basically I started very simple and that's aliens in sci-fi that do not strictly reproduce the way humans do with a binary set of genders that procreate their, you know, merge their genetic material together. One becomes pregnant and then birth happens. There, there really weren't that many that came quickly to mind. The xenomorph, which is again, a very interesting thing, especially when you look into some of the side material that uh, unfortunately isn't canon that maybe one day could be, you know, Disney owns it now. They can reboot it if they want. And if they do, I really want them to go the William Gibson route because, wow, that was horrifying. But the first group that came to mind was actually uh, the Narn from Babylon 5. And while they do have binary gender to a certain degree with a few characters like Toph who isn't exactly a binary female in the way she acts but the language isn't there to say that she's not female um though I would consider her character non-binary in so many ways because she doesn't ask act masculine and she doesn't act feminine and she acts differently than other female Narns that we meet the Narns, they actually allowed to be a marsupial species in that series. And thus, there's this very interesting bit that comes into the culture for the Narn, where you have your siblings and your pouch siblings. And your pouch siblings are the ones that you shared a pouch with. And at least culturally, if not actually, there seems to be a much tighter connection between pouch siblings than just blood siblings. And that's, I, I wanted to talk about them first because that is something that made an impact on the story and on the plot of several episodes of that series. And that's why thinking about gender and reproduction outside of a heteronormative male female binary can be important especially when dealing with any kind of speculative fiction, because it allows for a level of detail that while twins may have a special relationship in human culture, the way the Narn treated it was different. And that really did make a difference on the show. The other one that came quickly to mind were the Tinktonese or the newcomers from Alien Nation, which was a TV show that I absolutely loved and that died in the sci-fi apocalypse on Fox for no good reason. They, they had a new president of programming and he literally canceled everything that was on the network so he could make it his own. The Tinktonese or the newcomers, as they're called in that show, are a trinary gender. They have three basic genders and all three genders are actually required for, um, re reproduction in that you have a male, a female, and a third gender that provided a catalytic enzyme that would 
allow their genetic material to mix. And then the other thing that they did that, that was different was that the males then carry the um, child to term. The female creates the egg, but the male carries it in a pouch not dissimilar to, say, a seahorse or something like that. And it was interesting. It was something that worked rather well on the show. It did actually play into the series when they decided to have um, a child of their own. The one that was born on Earth. And it allowed for some variety in the series. But, again, it didn't play in much. The character that we met that was of the third gender in the show, we really didn't get to know anything about them because they were basically played off as male otherwise. And given that this show took place in, what, the late 80s, early 90s, in some ways I can understand that because when they decided who the third gender character was going to be on the show, it would be salacious, but more acceptable for a at the time for a woman to have sex with two quote-unquote men than to do something truly avant-garde. And that's more of a cultural artifact, I think, of the time the show was made than anything else. And this is actually one of those shows that I wish I had the power to reboot now because I think a lot of its messages are as salient now as they were then, if not more so. And I think there's a lot of interesting things that we could do with it. The Time Lords, we don't know how they reproduce, though in some of the books and radio shows, there's discussion of the Cosmic Loom that would knit them together from the genetic material of their parents. But again, none of that's canon, so we don't really know if that's how baby Time Lords come about. And, you know, I could talk about some of the, you know, minor species from Star Trek that either were a non-binary species or an androgynous species that gave birth in a different way. And we, that we see on some one-off episodes, like on The Next Generation, or the one three-gender species that we meet in Enterprise. But they were minor and were actually more of a substitute from saying the words gay or, in the one case, an, a way f to try to explain the Prime Directive. Uh, the dragons on Pern, because of their relationship with their human writers, are interesting in how all of that comes about but not again not straying from the cis gendered heteronormative binary in any real way and i then I, i've been struggling and i would love it if anybody out there knows of any others that are out there especially ones that really defy how we process gender and process reproduction because i i honestly can't you know the the vulcans maybe but a lot of the 
stories that we had about how Vulcans reproduce again, that was beta canon. So that doesn't, <laughs> none of that's real in the shows. So we don't know if they use the weird pod things and whatnot. So yeah, that doesn't really work. But yeah, I, I couldn't think of any. And it's, it's a shame. It's, it's a lack of imagination in the world building and in the initial creation of the alien species that we were dealing with in our stories. Because, and not even in alien species, even if you take something like animation, which I consider most animation to be speculative fiction, once you have talking animals, you're, you're speculative fiction. I'm sorry. That's just where I put you. But even in those shows, we get it wrong in Finding Nemo, which don't get me wrong, I love Finding Nemo, and I even liked Finding Dory. The biggest problem with that is we didn't even do what would really happen. Marlin would not have been Nemo's father after Nemo's mother died. You know, as JAC said, clownfish change gender. If the female dies, the male will become female. And this is something that we see in many other species that once they get to a certain size or what have you, that they will switch gender because gender fluidity in other species is much more common on earth than I think people think it is. Now, when I was trying to figure out why this is, my general feeling on this is one sheer neglect of the writer <laughs> that made it not happen because most writers when they're thinking about the worlds that they want to build and design are coming from a place of their own experience and a lot of cisgendered you know heterosexual writers have never questioned gender to a significant degree and thus it's not something that pops up as a possible thing when they're designing an alien species to play with that at all. And it becomes much more complex because you actually have to get outside of a cookie cutter relationship with these species. If you are going to change their different definition of gender from a prevailing human one that is cisgendered and heteronormative, which is why the most we ever really see deviating off is oh well they're polyamorous like we get on star trek we we've meet several polyamorous races including phloxes denobulans which i i love the denobulans so much they need to be in more star trek they need to be as common as vulcans or more so i love the denobulans polyamory is something that while different and distinct from the monogamous relationships that have made up the norm for our society, do seem exotic. And so it's a simple way to add ex an exotic flavor to a species without having to deal with what gender would look like if you truly didn't have a binary one of the things that I would love to do, especially in a reboot of something like Alienation, is take time and contemplate what the Tanktonese would look like with three genders. Because you have the gender that produces 
genetic material. You have the, and carries the infant. While it's gestating, you have the gender that produces the egg and that must be fertilized. And you have the gender that creates the catalyzing agent that is required for this to happen. And by the way, there is a chance when you actually look at how the episode is structured and the description of this, that this may have been something that the overlords bred into the Tanktonese to control them because they couldn't then just have children. As long as they controlled the third gender, then they could control the rate at which the Tanktonese reproduced. And so it may have even been artificial in their species. But it would have had an effect, and it would have had a very profound effect, because you couldn't just divide what we consider gendered expressions in two. One, a lot of them don't work. Fathers, and you see this on the show, fathers would be much more nurturing because they carry the child. They have a much more intimate relationship with the child, much like a human mother who lived with the child inside them for months. That prenatal bond is something that you actually see them express in the show. And again, sadly, more after this episode than before when the idea is actually introduced into the series. But given that they would have a different makeup, then the culture would change dramatically. And I don't want to say it's laziness, but in a lot of cases, I think it's blindness or laziness. Because when you start playing around with the idea that gender would be something different from the expected norm of the society that you're writing for, you not only have to take the time to figure out how to, how it would work out in your world building but then figure out how it would be expressed in the story in the way that would be available and understandable to the people that are encountering your story, be it a television show, a movie, or a book. That provides a lot more work. And because so much science fiction is very specific in the thing that it's talking about with cyberpunk caring more about the nature of the corporatocracy and how it enslaves the world than anything else. Stories looking at gender and whatnot would much would fare much better if they can fit into that almost Marxist anarchist critique of capitalism that is at the heart of cyberpunk stories. And so the relationship of a person to their gender is going to have a much higher correlation to their relationship to capital and thus the corporation than how it actually affects them culturally, if you follow what I'm saying. And because we have diversified science fiction into so many categories that have this very specific bent towards what they're doing, the, there isn't the room there that there needs to be for exploration of topics of gender and reproduction. Thus, it's even further relegated to the sidelines. And I think that's a, a mistake. You know, one of the things that I love about 
science fiction and fantasy, whether it be a book, a movie, or a TV show, is getting to experience the culture and the peoples that we encounter throughout the story, allowing them to have something other than different sexual mores would add such a vibrant texture to those stories that I think it really would bring them more to life. I think it really would add a rich depth. And I think it would be, an, to, to be quite honest, you know, because I do approach a lot of these topics from a writer's point of view, I think it would be a much more economical way as far as word count and whatnot to add that cultural richness in that help us break away from what we have, where right now we have the warrior race, the matriarchal race, the hyper-patriarchal race. We have the intellectual race. We have the cybernetic race. We have the overly compassionate race. We have, you know, we have these kind of almost D&D classes that almost any sci-fi species can be plugged into and thus immediately shorthanded and almost hand-waved away that all I have to tell you is, oh, this species, they're a warrior race. And you are able to fill in the blanks because, oh, okay, that then they're like, fill in the blank, your favorite warrior race. Whereas if you tried to build this much more organic interrelationship that would come from having different expressions of reproduction or different gender experiences, you can't shorthand it that as well. And you can't hand wave that as well. And I think that's more or less why it hasn't happened. But again, I, I don't want to speak for all authors. I'm just trying to look at the evidence and see what I see. But I think it would be wonderful if we spent time doing that. This is one of the reasons that while I promised a space opera, and I am working on one, even though you see me doing other projects on the side, I'm trying to world build some of this in there. I'm trying to play with different ideas of gender and reproduction and some of those core things that make a species a species and then playing around with how would that then affect them culturally. And I'm trying to start there for a lot of this and hopefully the end result will work out fine. But yeah, if you know of any stories, cause you know, I do not have a truly encyclopedic knowledge of this particular topic. And I did try to do some research and the few things that I did find pointed to the Narn and the Tanktonese and some of the minor species from Star Trek. But yeah, share them with me, please. I would love to, I would love to hear them and we can share them with the community and really dig into this topic further because there's got to be some out there, more out there than I know of. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, please rate this episode in wherever you're listening to this podcast. That really does help out a lot. If you've got a dollar, you can pass my way. In the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and the Community Support tab. You may not think a dollar helps out that much. It really, really does. So much. You have no idea. Um, 
if the, the basic difference is there are rewards for the Patre- Patreon people. If you don't want anything, you can just do the um, community support. Either whatever you want, that's fine. Um, please do consider helping out. Things are really tight right now. Um, if you don't have any money, that's fine. Please don't feel pressure. I'm not trying to like make this a hard sell. But if you do know somebody that would like this podcast, do share. That helps out immensely, like more than you know. Um, it costs so much to advertise that I can't afford to do it. So, you know, between me talking about the podcast and you all talking about the podcast, that's the only advertising that it gets. So please do consider sharing. If you have a question, comment, or topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, like today's episode, then you can either do what JAC did and give us a voice message. That's very easy to do in the show notes. You'll see a link that says voice message. You can click that. It works on all devices. You will have to sign in and create an account because we do not accept um, anonymous voice messages, though you notice they didn't say their name. And they didn't say their gender either, which is why I'm using they, because I'm I I, I get feel weird when people misgender me, and I'm trying not to do that. I hope I do not offend you by using a the the anyway. Um, so please give, tell me what you want, want me to call you, and your pronouns would be nice as well, so I don't misgender people. And yeah. I would love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I'm C.A. Dorson on both. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. So thank you for listening. And until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.